Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365 day returns. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sheila Shoiga, and this is Ready to Be Real Conversations, the podcast series where I chat to people of all walks of life. Some names you'll recognize, others you might not, but my hope is that these conversations will at times inspire, challenge, educate, comfort, or simply entertain you. In this episode, I speak to actor and mother Caroline Morahan. I read so much that so was really comforting to know that you can blame everything on the amygdala or the reptilian brain or whatever, however you want to define it. Because I was like, am I insane? Like the level, that, that trap door that opens inside your head and your heart where you're looking at things and the threat of things and the anxiety mm. and all of that, plus the flip side, the depth of love and of wanting to like that primordial desire to protect and nurture and all of that like absolute and also because then it was covid i was pretty much in a bear cave yeah with course. my cubs like some prehistoric woman <laughs> that's how i changed sheila so like heels went out the window and getting my hair done went out the window and leaking everywhere was the new black <laughs> Caroline lives in LA with her husband Dahi, our doc as he's better known as, and their two kids, Rowan who's three and Ava who's two. And last month when she was back in Dublin, we sat down and spoke about her path to motherhood, being a mom, her career to date, her love of acting, the sage advice given to her by her own mother and how baby brain is real. Here it is. We finally made this happen. I've wanted to talk to you for so long. At, at the end of, of all the messages I was sending, I was like, she is going to hate me. Not at all. Not at all. It's just mental. Yeah. Well, as you well know, just trying to carve out time because now it's not about me anymore. I have to kind of get my little satellites around the little ones and all of that. So I'm delighted to finally get to chat with you. Yeah, me too. Me too. And I mean, I suppose the thing is we could have done it remotely, Uh, but I really wanted to do the face-to-face -face chat and I know that means that you have to actually be in Dublin. So 
Um, life for you right now, you seem extremely fulfilled. You seem really happy. I am. Yeah, I am. Things have changed so many ways. So many unexpected things have happened. And I do feel very happy and very contented. And I'm really enjoying the moments right now. And I think really central to that is having, um, becoming a mom and having two little people that just cause you to have to be present. Yeah. Because I mean, the the one thing everyone says to you, goes very fast, ah, Jesus, it goes very fast. And it's true. Yeah. Like, you know, longest days, shortest years. I've, there are so many comments that are bandied about, but they're all true. And I really do want to be able to look around and enjoy what's happening right now. And yeah. that's like all of the books and all of the fridge magnets are like, you know, be present, be present. And, and there's a reason that people say that because mm. you do feel a lot less stressed when you, you plug into what's happening right now. So yeah. Being, I'm enjoying that. Yes. And that is, I mean, that's what it's all about, isn't it? Because we can be juggling so much, so much of the time. Oh, big time. Well, I mean, I was terrified of being a mother for the longest time. Like it wasn't Were something you? I was rushing towards at all. Absolutely. Yeah. I just, I was kind of going, oh my God, like 24 seven, somebody else is the focus. And like, I just was like, how do people do this? How do they manage? But I suppose I had different priorities then for one thing, um, but like when people would get married before they were 30, I would be looking at them going, are you insane? <laughs> yeah, I had a real hesitancy with that kind of thing. Just that level of responsibility and also feeling like you're hanging up your boots or your gloves or whatever metaphor you want to put on it um, for a period. Because for me, I'm I'm all in. I'm, you know, I've done a few things here and there, but very much my focus at the moment is them and so years ago when when people are of childbearing age in the typical sense they they go straight for that and I was like god no I I was just absolutely terrified I feel like I had a bit of an arrested development like other people other women are very much maternal and they're like I can't wait to meet somebody and have babies and I was just like who are these people I could not identify with them at all and so the relationship bit you were happy with, just the baby's bit, not so much. Well, I always figured I would be a parent. I just didn't know when that was going to happen or wanted to happen. I can remember we were, my husband and I were kind of going, oh, I'm sort of 38 now. We should probably be thinking about this. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> <Don't believe it. laughs> but we were kind of on the same page. OK, well, you that's know, good. We loved our life and yeah. it was just... Um, sort of something that we wanted to have done, but we it never felt like the right time. So then when I found myself pregnant, then I suddenly went, oh, I do want this. And then something changed. Biology kicked in and and we were ready, but then it wasn't meant to be mm. um, for me. So like you, I went through a miscarriage and then I had another miscarriage and then it became like a crazy focus for me that I just really wanted us to have a family. Yeah. And yeah. so I immersed myself um, into trying to make that happen and then also trying to 
get to a place where I was okay if it didn't happen. A lot of people listening will will relate to what you're saying. It is all consuming. Yeah. And you want something so badly. Um and you do you, you know you're you're trying to stay positive but then you're you're faced with perhaps disappointment or it just something not happening or whatever it might be. Um but also, it's hard to think about anything else. Yeah, and it's also the shock of like I've had a very lucky life and I feel very lucky in my life and things I generally have an idea about something and then I go and see how I can make that something happen or mm. that's how it, it was and then suddenly I felt like my body was letting me down and it was like oh I always thought this was going to happen and now I'm being told by every doctor I see like not to bother even with IVF you know they're like the first round of IVF I did the doctor pretty much said you're barren and I was like I'll stop you there like when he saw that I was having like a borderline heart attack in yeah, yeah. the surgery and then he saw the the color I went and I was like is this his first day in the job like how would you say that to somebody and then he kind of backtracked and went oh well each month can be different you can have a you know different reaction a different month I was like open with that yeah of course you know as you said why would you start with that words of such power don't they Absolutely. Particularly the ones you say to yourself. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I am. Um, my God, I went like I'm not a confrontational person, but I really like he saw my face and I don't think I actually said open with that because I was in such shock. But after the whole thing settled down, I was really angry. Mm. Like it's different if someone's giving you really bad news and you have to deal with bad news and they're not going to sugarcoat it, that's fine. But if there is hope or if things can be improved upon, it's nice to tell someone that. Of course. Um, Because it's such a stressful process and I do really feel like the stress part, you know, that raises up the cortisol and all of that. Yeah, of course. You know, so... um, I'm imagining you in a in a kind of a pretty woman moment going back with your two beautiful babies. <laughs> Big mistake. Well, huge. <laughs> so funny because actually I was about to do a third round of IVF. Um, so that first round was a complete, uh, you know, unmitigated failure, like as in no, no eggs harvested, waste of time, all okay. the rest. Then the second round I went absolutely mental between round one and round two I went to a kinesiologist changed my diet cut out so many things threw so many other things into the mix like I'd always been kind of um doing you know acupuncture and Chinese herbs and things to sort of prepare the uterus Mm, mm. um and then when I got that bad result I just went oh I went deep diving I was reading studies translated in different languages about my particular age my particular you know the what they had discovered and I was off-roading it myself like doing my own vitamin combinations and like absolutely (laughs) like a lunatic okay I was like come on like if I'm gonna do it I'm gonna do it you know yeah and then I went back and we had two like grade one or whatever they call it embryos wow okay but they didn't implant so that was disappointing and then we were going back for the third round and the they looked at the scans and and only one follicle had started to get bigger and and they were like 
um, well, let's not bother with this round because there's only one egg responding and it doesn't look good to us. And I was like, what are you talking about? It doesn't look good to you. They were like, it's it's so big. We think it's not, it's not good. So I rang a different doctor in Dublin and they were like, what are they talking about? You know, like an egg can be that size without stimulation in a normal cycle yeah. without anything. Yeah. So I don't know what they're talking about. So what I ended up doing was ringing my husband and going, um, like we're canceling this IVF because it's kind of pointless to put so much into this one. You know, it's literally putting all your egg in one basket. So we, um, we went au natural and that is Rowan. <laughs> wow. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, I did a trigger shot myself. So they were like, take these, do that, whatever. And I went, listen, do you know what? I'm just going to, I'm just going to take this from here myself. And I didn't take any more of the stimulation. And I said, I'm going to trigger this ovulation myself. I looked, set the clock and I was like, we're going to get busy and whatever it was, 36, 48 hours. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So that was that. Did you have a feeling that (laughs) this was going to be your time? Like, as in, you know, what was your self-talk like at this stage? Oh, no, I didn't have that feeling at all. It was just like, um, we'll go back to the drawing board was my feeling. Um, but you know, like I'm not going to waste money on a, on a cycle now with this news, but equally nature plays a role in this. And then, um, I went to a different clinic. I was done with the, because they were so insensitive how they handled the whole thing and even how they delivered that message and Mm. couldn't get people on the phone. I mean, it was awful. Um, so I went to another clinic thereafter and, um, the pregnancy didn't show up when when we arrived to have our first consult and the doctor was like, you've a less than 15% chance of this ever happening for you. You know, how do you feel about those odds? And I was just like, I'm going to stop you there. Please don't start with that. Let's just see. Yeah. And then, um, and she said, okay, we're going to try a different approach. And then I went back in a few weeks later and she did the ultrasound to check and see where we were. And I just saw one dark patch on the screen and I was like, oh, Jesus, here we go. It's only one egg and a oh, nightmare, you know, it's like where other people are, have so many more chances. And then she, she said, that's, that's not a follicle, that's an embryo. And I just went, what, what are you talking about? She goes, you're pregnant. And I just looked at Doc and I was like, is she practicing for what she's going to say <laughs> yeah. when we're pregnant? And then yeah. she just said it again, you're pregnant. And I just went. Oh my God. And then I held my breath for five months, basically, yeah, until I felt sure. like I was in a safer place. But it was amazing. That is amazing. Especially when you were told, told to hang up your boots, really. Totally, totally. And we were already talking about egg donation. And I have a friend who's just had a, a beautiful little girl yeah. uh, with a donor egg. I have another friend who's due. She might be in labor right now. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's a wonderful option. And we Absolutely. were ready for that because we wanted to be parents. Yeah. So we were, you know, we were ready for that. And and I think that's wonderful. And it's so miraculous. And I've, I've two friends who've had babies by surrogacy. Yes. Um, so there are amazing other avenues. Um, so yeah, I had been told to hang up my boots and, you know, would have gotten to a point where we would have said, okay, this isn't working for us and let's change our focus. But, uh, we weren't at that point yet. Yeah. And I, I just had one 
medical professional who was my acupuncturist in LA and she was like, you know, you're going to be pregnant within a year naturally. And, right. and she was actually right. But everyone else was like, it's never going to happen for you. Like, so move on. And what did Dohi think at this? What, did he, what was his feeling on the whole thing? Did he think it was going to happen for you? We were very, we would oscillate, you know, bad, good cop, bad cop between each other and trying to buoy each other up and then yeah. be pragmatic. And um, he was amazing through the whole process. So patient and just so supportive and in there with, with all of us. You know, um, mm. and I had an easier time than I think a lot of people, like I know some people just absolutely lose their minds with all the hormones and everything. I think we kind of, we were okay through it, mm. but he's a very sage person. Like he can stand back and take stock of things and think calmly rather than getting like I would definitely be the over emotional, borderline hysterical at times. <laughs> um, so he was, yeah, he kept us on a steady course okay. throughout. But yeah. he was like, whatever we need to do, we'll do. Mm. And then when we've done all we can do, then we'll step back. So we were both, we're not going to go under. Like we're a good team ourselves. Yes. Yeah. And this is something that will be adding to us, but we're not trying to fix anything or fill a void between us. Yeah. So that was a great mm. headspace to be in. Yeah, because am I right in thinking you would have been together about 12, 13 years before you became parents-ish? We met... God, here's the math. Oh, <laughs> Jesus. We met when I was 30 and my first miscarriage was... Uh, I was 39, actually, when I had my first miscarriage. Okay. Yeah, mm. so... It was nine years we were together. When yeah. We first got pregnant. And then parents at? I think I was 41. Yeah. Like, what age am I now? Jesus. I know. I have to ask myself the same question. Good. And, and the you're... shock, by the way, of realizing that I'm 45. <laughs> I mean, I need to check my own ID. There's definitely <laughs> something went wrong there. Because actually, guys, I'm 27, you guys. Yeah, I'm well, 27. Well, you look amazed. You always do. You always do. <laughs> um, becoming a mother. How, I mean, look, it's, it is, uh, it, you know, I, you can't ask this question to anyone and they'll say, ah, sure, I didn't change at all. But how did you, we know we all change, but how do you think you've changed most since becoming a mother? Do you know, how did I change? Well, first of all, the, what goes on with your brain, you know, when you're pregnant and in the months after, and then even still now, uh, like I read so much so it was really comforting to know that you can blame everything on the amygdala or the reptilian brain or whatever, however you want to define it. Because I was like, am I insane? Like the level, that that trap door that opens in, inside your head and your heart where you're looking at things and the threat of things and the anxiety mm. and all of that, plus the flip side, the depth of love and of wanting to like that primordial desire to protect and nurture and all of that, like absolute. And also because then it was COVID, I was pretty much in a bear cave yeah, with course. my cubs, like some prehistoric woman. <laughs> That's how I changed Sheila. So like 
heels went out the window and getting my hair done went out the window and leaking everywhere was the new black. <laughs> so um, that must yeah. have been in its own strange way. I mean, I know at the time you probably didn't think it was a blessing, but because there were a lot of negatives that came with the restrictions during the pandemic, the height of it. But also there was an element of we can just stay in our little nest. It was idyllic really for us. It was idyllic um, because Rowan was just six months old or thereabouts when the pandemic struck. Right. And my mom happened to be visiting from Dublin. So she was in LA and then she was coming for three weeks and she stayed for four months. Okay. So that was magical. So I had to um, jump a few hoops there to get her ESTA extended because they generally don't Mm. do that. Yeah. Um, So we got all of that organized and she stayed. So she was there for such a wonderful time. And then also she was there uh, when we found out I was pregnant again. Oh, lovely. So that was incredible to be able to share that with her live in person. Yeah, it was they're very, amazing. Yeah. They're close. Yeah. They're so close in age. I mean, you absolute legend because <laughs> having two myself now and it wasn't planned to have the age gap that we have, as as you know, you know, we had two miscarriages in between. But I, I, I now have a newfound respect for everyone I know whose kids are closer in age because it's it's full on enough for us right now with a five year old and a one year old. But when they're that close and you still have a baba or a toddler running around and you're trying to mind him, her and then another. I think there are advantages and disadvantages to both. Sure. I think it worked out beautifully for us. Because we're sort of just in the trenches yeah. with the pair of them and they're thick thieves. Yeah. And I was in the zone and it was COVID. Yeah. Like there was not a lot going on. You know, I wasn't there knocking out a novel. Yeah. So I may as well <laughs> knock out a baby. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, because I like it was such a demanding thing. Mm. And a friend of mine just had a baby there and I went to visit him and his partner. And I was looking at them. I was like, oh, my God. Like, you look so well rested. What is happening? Because for us, it was like we were hit with a tornado. Yeah. We were banjaxed and just all over the shop and kind of not even remembering to eat and then being like, like collapsing. And you're going, it's one tiny baby, you know. But it was, um, it was very, very full on for us in the beginning with Rowan. Also, when he was born, he was great and in perfect health but um the breastfeeding thing was a bit complicated in the beginning and he dropped more weight than the doctors were happy with so then we were on absolute high alert measuring everything and you know weighing him all the time and writing down every time I breastfed and I know like new parents do that a lot but eventually got to a point where we're kind of looking at each other going we can stop journaling every yeah ounce of you know yeah Poor Shane, haven't <laughs> he's well used to it. <laughs> we have recorded. God, love I mean, like really, we we did a whole series on pregnancy. Yeah. He's heard it all. Okay. <laughs> Do you have any children? I don't. Are you I'll sworn off? Parent, Christ. <laughs> yeah. Ah. Oh. So it was idyllic because. Rowan was tiny, and then we discovered that I was with the child again. Yeah, yes. So we could just be in this lovely cocoon. And also it was wonderful timing because Rowan had been born pre-COVID. So I didn't, I knew what to expect. So I pretty much labored at home lovely. and then just arrived at the hospital when she was ready to debut basically. Yeah. So I wouldn't have had that confidence had Rowan arrived in COVID. So it, it all 
that timed out really beautifully. It was really yeah. kind of, the whole thing was quite blessed oh, in the timing lovely. of it all. Great, 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 great. Um, let's talk about making the decision to leave Ireland. So just, you know, I know so many people listening would have, you know, watched you on TV and known what, like a big noise you were in Irish TV when you decided to leave the country. Um, so you started off, am I right? Bit acting, bit of Fair City, and then the selection box, a reality TV show to choose a new presenter was your launch pad into TV presenting. Absolutely. Like Fair City was really like transition year for me. Right. You know, it was quite literally at that age before transition year had actually come in. <laughs> Yeah. Um, it started coming in after I'm aging myself now <laughs> but um, yeah no I had been um, in drama school I was in the Betty Ann Norton theatre school and absolutely loved it but I never looked on it as something as a full time career and it's interesting looking back because I we did do auditions and stuff as part of the you know being in that school people would approach Betty Ann for people for commercials for films for whatever and I actually didn't realize that and my mom told me this was on when I was an adult in fact on the eve of the uh, last audition for the selection box where I was getting major cold feet because my experience in Fair City in terms of being recognized was really really negative it was horrible oh I didn't enjoy it at all I didn't like people sort of looking at me or I mean I was I was 15 so you're at the height of all of that self-consciousness and you don't know who you are what's going on and people of all ages are making comments and you know inappropriate male comments and then nasty it was sort of like what goes on now in social media was happening out car windows and in like bars dare I say that I was in at that age um you know Mm. people saying things and it just I did not like it at all so when the opportunity with the selection box came around and I was like down to the last five at this point and or three or whatever they broke it down and it was getting to the end and I was like I don't know if I really want to do this and my mom was, was sort of saying well you're you know who you are now and you know what you want to be and say and you're not going to be a leaf in the wind based on the opinion of others you know good or bad what they say will not change who you were before they said it and after they've said it you remain the same person and that was something that I didn't I didn't have any of that when I was 15 so I was like yeah you're right and I do I'm really interested in television presenting and I I had done it once before briefly for on a pilot and loved it just loved it just been so energized by it that I was like yeah actually I do really want to do this so I did it but then she also told me that at that time when I was little when I was in drama school and going for those auditions there were some that I got for films that you know would have moved the needle in terms of my career but she didn't think it was right for me to be on a set or working professionally at that age okay but she let me do the Fair City thing because it was only supposed to be one scene, a one-off, but it ended up getting written in. And then she actually gave me the choice. Yeah. How did so, you feel when you found that out? All kinds of feelings, all kinds of feelings. Um, I was really proud of her, actually, first of all, for mm. just having that conviction, you know. Um, but I remember when I was that age and not getting things, 
or like being in callbacks and then hearing nothing. Um, and I remember going, God, Jodie Foster had already, already done this by this age or whatever. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah, okay. And also a lot of my friends in my acting class and in my group, a huge portion of them went on to be professional actors. And a lot of them were working at that age doing big films with Jim Sheridan, international stuff, radio plays all the time, theater, um, a lot of big things. And I, so I definitely had that. What if? Not, not the what if, but just, oh, you know, I'm not achieving enough now as a, as an 11 year old or whatever, oh, you God. know what I mean? Right. So my mom yeah. wouldn't have been aware of that yeah. actually. Okay. She wouldn't have known at that time that I was going, oh, you know. Cause she sounds incredibly wise, uh, you know, and what, like the advice she gave you when you were going for the selection box is like the best advice a mother can give a daughter. It's to just, you know, own who they or are. any human. Or anyone, exactly. Or anyone. Particularly in this day and age and yeah. climate where yeah. people yeah. are living externally mm. um, and getting dopamine hits from people doing a thumbs up on something that they don't even know. Yeah. Like being that vulnerable to other people's opinion. It's just so dangerous. It really is. And, um, you know, that was, that was a really important lesson. And it's one I needed to remind myself of, you know, mm. moving to LA, as you say, like having been sort of a, a minor big deal in the Irish context to going you weren't somewhere a where, <laughs> big deal. you know, but no it, one knows you. But it was that thing of big fish, small pond. And then you were going to LA where you were, I suppose, let's be honest, a small fish in oh. a very big pond. Or fish food, one might say. <laughs> but like, you know, and that's that leaving that that cozy, toasty, you know, you, you know, your cover magazines, all the papers want you. You're wanted. You're wanted. And and then you say, no, I'm going to I'm going to leave. Is it true that you guys were only together? At, you weren't even a year together when you made the move. No, we had met in September and we went to L.A., for a long weekend, actually, in March. Right. Um, and that's that was the trigger. Right, okay, for both of you. Yes. Um, like, Doc is really flexible and open to new experiences and had lived in multiple countries before we met and he'd actually only recently come back to Ireland. So I'm sure his parents weren't too impressed with me <laughs> taking him off again. But um, we went over to L.A. It was just for a few days. And I was at a crossroads in my life. Right before I met him, I had I was thinking of like moving to Paris to write, you know, just to I always wanted I didn't do French in school. I always wanted to learn French and I always wanted to live in Paris at that Caroline point. in Paris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and um, and I was like, I'm just going to do that. Mm. And then I met him and then I had an acting opportunity in Ireland that came out of nowhere that just fired me up. And I was like, oh God, that's what I want to do. I, I don't want to be in Paris writing. I want to be acting. And I, mm. um, cause I just didn't know what I wanted. I didn't know what I wanted. It was the same when I left college. I was like, I wrote on a piece of paper, the things I was interested in and journalism was on that paper, piece of paper and television presenting was on that piece of paper and a few other things. And I tried to get into television, like I 
put some sort of a show reel into RTE and had some meetings in TV3, which was in its infancy. And they were like, we have everyone we need, thanks. And I was a bit, when I think about it, um, probably a bit arrogant in that I, I wasn't, I wasn't going to go the, I'll make coffee route, yeah. you know? <laughs> okay. I was like, I have a skill set, yeah. you know, surely there's somewhere kind of thing. Good on and you. And there wasn't. And maybe good on me in that it did work out, but... This was pre-selection box? Yeah. So you were what, early 20s? Yeah. When did I leave college? Yeah, I would have been, yeah, 20. <laughs> you were like, look, look to... 21. Doing errands. Well, I had done, like I had done work experience in other places in public relations okay. companies and... Yeah. It served um, your time. Well, I mean... You felt you had. N- I kind of was like, I know how this will go. Yeah. And it, like in my 20-year-old brain, I was like, yeah, you make coffee and then you keep on making coffee. Yeah, okay. Okay, you know, okay. Well, you might get it. You might sort of go into, you'll move in as a researcher or a production or whatever, but I didn't think I'd get front of house that route. Mm. I wanted to be on camera. I wanted to be on camera talent. That's yeah. what I wanted. Um, well, I mean, they speak about star power and they speak about, you know, the X factor and all these different terms. And it's a, it's a it's an undefinable something. And like, I'm not just saying it because you're sitting in front of me, but I've always felt about you. And hello, I think anyone who ever meets you <laughs> feels it about you. Some people have a vibe, an aura, whatever you want to call it. God, gives them corner. But it's, but it's true. It's true. It gives them gravitas, it gives them an energy or something. And you have it like, oh my God. Hello, do you have it? And this is why you you did, but you do. And this is why I suppose you, you, you were as, as popular as you were on Irish TV. I mean, Off the Rails was probably the biggest gig and the one that we kind of remember you most from. How many years did you do that for? We did that. uh, We did that for six years, actually. Yeah. Um, Which, you know, was quite long in the scheme of things for some shows you know, others go on and on and on. But in that, there was, I started to see, you know, when you're, when you're that age, you, you don't, you're not looking at certain bigger picture things, but for sure they would swap out presenters on shows like that and swap out the name of the show. Mm. And it kind of always seemed to be like a two year stint, Mm. you know, but I wasn't thinking of that at that time. I was just really enjoying it and having a great time. And it was, it was an amazing gig to get because it was sort of, like a culmination of so many different things because I already had my fashion column in the Herald. So I basically like off the rails was like a three dimensional version of what I was already doing. Mm. And the reach of it was huge. So it was so rewarding. Cause I got to, like, I would do makeovers in the paper and we'd do like a still shoot and I'd bring people out and get them kitted up and all the rest. So to actually, have a whole team behind me doing that was just magical. And I loved it. I put my heart and soul into it. But before deciding to move to LA, like that final year, my heart wasn't in it anymore. I kind of felt like it was getting repetitive and Mm. it was stagnating and plateauing or whatever word you want to put on it. Um, And I was like, I need to change. This needs to change. And I just didn't know what the next move would be. Like I was very lucky with, and again, there was a lot of arrogance there because I I said probably no to more things than I said yes to during my those years in Ireland in terms of TV stuff. Like I was selective about the things I wanted to do. And good on you. 
Because it's, it's, it's well, because you know, it's it's not it's not that easy to say no to things and be that like comfortable in yourself to say, oh, I'm not feeling that. You know, especially when you're, you know, you're going from gig to gig. Absolutely, Warner. I could see some crews that were absolutely wrecked because they just you'd see lads going, well, I don't know where the next thing coming from. And I'm like, well, when when are you can actually live <laughs> because yeah. you're you're shoulders and bits carrying that camera you need to take a break you know but mm. and well that's the thing I didn't have a family that I needed to provide yeah. for yeah yeah I didn't have those pressures mm. you know I was lucky I had an apartment I was able to pay for and all of that I was that was amazing but I didn't have those pressures I think things change your priorities change yeah and when you've children for sure I think you know once again that it's not about you anymore I think you people like you you would have a very different outlook then but but at that time in my 20s I didn't have those pressures sure so I uh would say no to projects that I didn't think would like I thought could potentially do me damage to be associated with them whatever I remember one time oh god this is triggering something <laughs> I um I kept saying no to this project <laughs> That where it was like a program about young teenagers who like wanted to be famous and wanted to be in the media or whatever. And this program was grooming them for that. And I kept on saying, no, I think this is a really bad idea. I think that these are kind of, this is a vulnerable age for teenagers and they'll go back into school the day after this airs and get absolutely mm. slated. And I don't want to have anything to do with it. And I kept coming back around and then eventually uh, the producers because Olivia, my sister, managed mm. all my TV career. They were like, oh, Olivia, for God's sake, we're trying to get her on Jason's Jason Burns anonymous show. It's not this program at all, but we're trying to try. Will you just get her on the show? They had invented this whole uh, yeah, program. Yeah, 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 yeah. So then Olivia was like, oh, I think you should do this, you know. Just enough for for me to get like stitched yeah. up or whatever. Yeah, it was yeah, absolutely yeah, hilarious. Yeah, and yeah. Pam was the yeah was in the <laughs> prosthetics. But like that, you know, I was like, I don't want to do a program like that. That sort of celebrity, yeah, kind of tacky, you know. So it turned out not to be that. <laughs> and I was made oh, a holy show. They were like, can she just park her integrity, please, and just do the gig? Yeah, yeah. Well, at that at that time, it was you know you can make those decisions when you're when you're free yeah. and you don't have things pulling at you. <laughs> but it strikes me that you're still that person that has a good sense of if you want to do something, you'll do it. If you don't, you won't. Definitely. I think that's in there. But at the moment, I'm in such a different space. Like, I just, honestly, I did a play during the summer and I was like, wow, I can remember lines. Like, I was going, is my head, like, has the grey matter left the building? Like, because I've just been in such a space of being at home with mm. children and doing the odd bit and piece there. But like, you know, like I've, I just was looking in the mirror one day in the midst of all of that going, God, I am the woman I did makeovers on years ago. <laughs> where you'd go, Jesus, how could she leave the house like that? Have you no self-respect? I'm like, yeah, that's me. That's me. Like, honestly, particularly during COVID, you're going, I don't think my calf muscles could cope with the heel now. I, I know. think they would snap. Yes. You know? Yeah. I'm in them today for you, Sheila. Oh, you are. Well done, you. 
<laughs> cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Well, I'm home in Dublin now and it's so much more dressy than LA. Is it? Yeah. That's so funny. I would not see it again. That's probably my own ignorance. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have known that. Wouldn't have thought that. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, there's, there are red carpet things and all that sort of jazz in LA for sure. And people push the boat out, but also on that same red carpet, you'll see someone in flip flops and, you Mm. know, jeans that look like they need a wash. Okay. So what is your life? So life now is obviously, you know, it's, it's the kids uh, and the main focus, but say before the kids, what would a uh, typical day be like when you were like, you know, it's all about the work stuff. Did you have a typical day? I didn't have a typical day. Like, you know, it's, it's very different. And so I would, a lot of time would be spent in preparation for auditions So a lot goes into when you get good opportunities, being ready for them. And I'm hoping that one of the gifts of motherhood is that I'll have a more laissez-faire sort of attitude and kind of care less. Because I think there's huge power in not wanting something Mm. to that same level where you're like, you know, putting huge amounts of energy like I'll always put a lot of energy into the the work itself, like preparing mm. for something, you know, I'm not one of these people that just rocks in and I, I'm, and I haven't learned what I'm doing or I haven't researched the part. Like I really, and I was like that even with off the rails, you know, I would write all the scripts and I would always spend a lot of time talking to people that we were going to be working with. Um, You know, when, when it was, like a longer form piece where you're getting mm. to know the person and all that. And even in, in the, when I did the fame game, that first quiz show, like I rang every single contestant beforehand just to sort of chat to them and say okay. like, well done for coming on the show and all this. And oh my God, the ignorance, like I hadn't really, the penny didn't drop that pretty much all of those contestants were people who had auditioned for the job. So not all of them were that happy to oh, yeah, chat to me. Yeah, but just that idea of kind of walking out and going, right, I've got something bigger to think about right now than yeah. whether I'm getting that job or not. And that's a lovely feeling. Yes, of course. I I, I can imagine it's, it takes a, a real strength of character to, you know, 
and I'm sure you've had your moments where you wanted a gig and it, it maybe didn't happen and you have to move on, dust yourself off and, and go on to the next thing. But it must be... Many times. Okay, Gina, okay. Many times. Okay, but... And I... <laughs> it'd be very easy to kind of throw in the towel and say, you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm done with this. I I'll love acting. On. Okay. I absolutely love it. So are you... Is this it? So, you, you know, the way you said before, after college, you you know, journalism, TV presenting, and you were like, tick, tick, tick. Really, you've achieved the things you said you wanted to, to do, but... It, it's always really come back to the one thing. It has and it hasn't always come back to the one thing. And that was something, that was a lesson as well. Like, you know, if you, it's stupid having regrets and I'm kind of in a period, I'm sort of wintering in terms of my career at the moment. Sorry to use a real Instagrammy expression. God, <laughs> someone throw her a slap. But you know what I mean? I'm I totally kind of in. get it, yeah. I'm in a quieter place. Um, I'm not go, go, go um, on my career, but I went to LA and I didn't know if I had what it took as an actor. Um, And now I feel actually very uh, in a a really good place about my work and the things that I've done. I don't, I don't feel good about the things I've done as in, I feel like I should be, have achieved a lot more at this point. And that is absolutely, absolutely. Um, but the things that I have done, I am proud of. And that has given me a confidence that I absolutely did not have mm. going to LA and in the first few years, because I just didn't, I mean, I had done so much acting when I was younger, but I, because I wasn't thinking of it in terms of a career, I, I wasn't, I was just enjoying it. I wasn't kind of going, are other people moved by this or not? And I suppose that's actually a really good way to be is to not think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I was like, am I doing this right? Is this what this is? And now I kind of feel like I have something to offer as an actor. And that was a really exciting realization um, for me personally. So that's something I want to keep doing. Mm. Absolutely. But also I do love writing and also I do love TV presenting. And when I went to L.A., I kind of turned my back completely on TV presenting in that in the American context, because foolishly, I sort of thought, oh, they won't take me seriously as an actor if they think I'm a TV presenter, because I think there are attitudes like that in Ireland. Less so now. Do you know what? That's something I did want to talk to you about. I was curious to know, like, what was the feedback because there did seem to be a lot of articles going you know she's off to become a Hollywood star and there was a sense of I wondered was it a, a touch of cynicism coming from the media in Ireland about the, the decision to make that move some not all thank, thankfully some not all there were it was amazing actually the huge tidal wave of support from all kinds of corners that came good like I didn't want to tell anybody about it um, because I just felt so vulnerable and so exposed and all of those things of like everyone waiting for me to fall on my face and all of that. And there were a couple of actually kind of individuals ra- rather than publications. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that were really hatchet oriented around it. And, um, and that's just the way some people operate. Yeah, yeah. and do you know what? People are interesting because I wouldn't have seen a lot of that, but some people felt the need to share things with me and were like, isn't this awful now? What's his problem? And I'm I'm like, yeah, I didn't really need to read that. Thanks for saying, you know what I mean? (laughs) Like you wonder what goes 
through people's heads. And I always try to be as self-aware in different situations, you know, like even what we're talking about earlier with all the pregnancy and fertility, I'm always thinking of people who are going through that yeah. now. And I always try to have something that's going to support them in mm. that time. Mm. But people sent me things and I'm going, do they think this is adding to my day? Do they think this is good for me to know? Mm. Or do are they trying to get me to have a vendetta against this person? Like, you know, what's what's the rationale behind like passing on bad news, basically? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm sort of of the thing, if you don't have something good to say, keep your mouth shut. Mm. But a lot of the uh, media stuff was really supportive and individuals and, you know, even like people in the airport and mammies at the supermarket so that was lovely yeah but definitely people found out about it way before i was ready to tell anyone about it and i had to i had this really awkward interview on um on with ryan tuberty where like i just didn't want to be talking about it i was on promoting whatever i was promoting i can't remember what it was and they had the researchers or whatever had found out and they were like so you're Mm. in la now and i was like shit yeah. And then you're like, oh God, the show is on now tonight and I can't, how do, you know, so I was sort of yeah. doing this interview and I remember my late uncle, um, my uncle Ronnie, I remember him kind of going, I want to talk to you about your interview. Like I just, you were doing a lot of M's and A's and everything and I just want to chat to you about that. Like so sweet trying to oh. help me out. And I was like, well, here's what was going, Ronnie. Oh, here's what was going on there. I didn't want to talk about any of those things. So I was going, uh, trying to think yeah, yeah, yeah how do yeah, I yeah. divert because I just didn't want everyone to have their arms folded looking at me yeah you know but yeah. again if I'd listened to the advice of my mother when I was 24 you know other people's opinions don't don't put too much weight on it Absolutely. just do your own thing keep your head down do your work enjoy your life yeah Boom. <laughs> what a great role model to have, yeah. isn't she? Fantastic. Um, you know, we always hear about it's it's the things you don't do that you regret, not the stuff that you do do. So you're doing the thing, I suppose. That's you're, true, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. That's true. It's something I wanted to do and we love it there. We love our lifestyle yeah. there. Uh, work is way harder. The... You know, like I just had everything fall in my lap all the time. Here. Here. Yeah. And it's not like that in LA. I've had some amazing opportunities and I've gone through a lot of personal development and growth around my work. But I'm at another point now where I have to kind of go dig deep again in terms of like, I I feel like I'll be reinventing myself again when I come out of this cocoon that I'm still in, even though I'm doing bits and pieces, I'm still, until they're a little bit older, I'm very much the focus is um, the children. Yeah, of course. So then when I come out, it's like I have to kind of re-energize all of the work stuff again because mm. it hasn't been my priority. Yeah, but the love is still there for the craft. Absolutely. Yeah, so, Absolutely. You, so you, see, you see yourself staying with with acting yeah well I I have there's a project that I'm going to be hosting um when I go back to LA and that'll be the first presenting thing I've done for quite a while so I'm looking forward to that um but I don't have things mapped out at all Mm. but definitely yeah like 
I did a I did a play during the summer in Smock Alley, and then we were over in in Tala, and it was just such a joy to be back standing behind the flats, waiting to go on. I mean, the flats on a theatre stage. Not I wasn't in Ballymun <laughs> at the time, <laughs> and just that there's just something very special the yeah. electricity of a live audience particularly like I love all kinds of acting I love film television and theater but there's something particularly special about theater for me yeah so definitely yeah the craft will be part of the the next phase yes <laughs> are you guys going to st- I mean I know you're probably asked a lot but and it's at the end of the day, it's a, it's a personal family decision. But um, you're back here, back home. I mean, I know home is L.A. now. Or where is home? I mean, are you torn? I am a bit torn. I L.A. is home. Yeah, OK. Uh, but absolutely, I since the little ones have arrived and since COVID restrictions lifted, we have started kind of coming back for longer vacations here. Mm. and a a bit more immersive rather than suitcase at the end of the bed that never gets put away. So like Rowan, our our little one who's three now, is in a a play school for a couple of hours a day here with a moon chore and all of that. And oh my God, when I went to view it the first time, I just burst into tears when teacher was like, and into the Lena. I was like, Lena, oh my God. And also, like when I went viewing schools in LA, I I viewed one place and they had Ashland copy books, and I was immediately okay. like right angle tears into yeah. the woman's face, <laughs> and I was like, I'm really sorry about this. I may be premenstrual. I'm not sure what's happening, but the woman who founded the school was Irish. Oh, lovely. And she was long retired. Right. Okay. But they still had, had the, Ashling the Ashling copy books, and I was in <laughs> ribbons. So yeah, how. I love where we live and I love our lifestyle and the way things are in terms of like, because you asked me before when I went on a major tangent of like, what was it? What's a typical day like, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so before, before becoming a parent, you know, you're prepping for auditions, you're in class, you're doing projects. Um, like, you know, hopefully you're getting paid decent money for a nice gig or else you're doing um like actually I was doing still a lot of stuff back and forth in Ireland and then some really juicy TV projects in LA and then I uh started up a theater company in LA which ah. I'm part of and I love and we do amazing well to me it's amazing because I love very intimate like where you've nowhere to hide, like either your people are moved by the story or they're asleep in your face, okay. kind of, you know okay, what I mean? Yeah, so you yeah, have yeah. to be on, you have to mm. be absolutely delivering or mm. else you, you know, you don't have the luxury of hiding behind big sets. Yeah. So we do yeah. immersive theater, like where we'll have an audience of like 40 people mm. for in a site specific venue, like say, we did a gorgeous one a few years ago in the house that Polanski used in oh, Chinatown, right. okay. which is in an old part of Los Angeles. So we had our audience follow us. I love all that. So that's kind of passion project yeah, stuff on the side. Very cool. um, so I, I love all the things I'm involved in in LA, but I definitely do miss Irishness. 
Right. Because, I mean, that's the thing about you as well. Like, your accent hasn't changed a bit. Not a bit. I do say awesome the odd time. And I hate but, myself but you, for you, Okay, it. but would you still say it <laughs> with an Irish accent, though? Well, yes. <laughs> no, I definitely hold on to my Irish accent. Um, it's it, sometimes the kind of the the rhythm or the patina can kind of start layering on of of California. Right. But Olivia, my sister, would be very quick yeah. to be like, you just said gas for petrol. Oh, right. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> so things like that. And I will say diaper the odd time or whatever. Oh, right. but, um, yeah. but I mean, my husband's Irish and we're on FaceTime a lot. Yeah. And then now we're getting these long stays at home right. for as long as it, it suits. Like, yeah. I can't. But your kids are, are obviously speaking in, in Californian accents. No. Are they not? Not really, no. Are they not? Interesting. Actually, some people think Rowan has an English accent. Okay. I think it's because he enunciates so well. Okay. And we've got friends from different places. Okay. So everyone's American um, in school with a few, there's a bit of a mix. Mm. Um, but like we've got friends from Canada, England. Mm. Um, yeah, there's like East European few people I'm just trying to think of all the different influences of his voice but you know what there's more American accents here because of kids watching TikTok and yeah it's very very good point very good point when you or if you retire so we're talking like 20 years time kind of stuff 30 whatever um where do you see yourself being staying in LA or somewhere else or here I find that really hard I know it is no even like five years from now yeah because if I look back on my life, everything was exactly the way I wanted it. And then it wasn't. And then a change had to happen. Mm. And so, but now any changes going forward, they have to work for Doc. They have to work for our children. So we're all really happy now. Mm. I'm with the balance of, so I think the goal would be to have an anchor here and there. Yeah. Doc is more worldly open, could be anywhere, you know. Yeah, as long as you're together. Absolutely. Mm. But it's so, it's really hard for me to, I'm not good at planning. Yeah. You know, but it's, the mix is working for us now. Yeah. And then when, when things, when the, the intensity of, of what's going on right now with parenting, when that gets a little bit less, I'd love to do more work here as well as mm. in LA. Yeah. Um, because I th- I feel like it, something's just changing now with that. I'm still breastfeeding though, so that's kind of yeah. Yeah. busy. <laughs> yeah, 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 sure. <laughs> and I suppose they are, they are still at such an age where, you know, three going on, four, and then just a two-year-old, just turned just two. Just turned two the other day, yeah. Yeah. So um, you're busy. You're busy. Yeah. Yeah. I love it though. You know, yeah. so many people, I've heard so many people in the park and stuff go like, oh my God, I hate the baby phase. And I get it. God, they're hanging out of you. Yeah. But you know what? I actually love it. Yeah, I know. It's, it can be hell, but it's also bliss. <laughs> it's a mad yeah. mix of this is very hard. I get that. You said something earlier and I was like, oh God, I know that feeling very well. Anyone listening, whether you have your own kids or you mind kids, but if you are in contact with kids, particularly small, small ones and especially babies who can't communicate, it's when you're trying to do stuff and you're trying to juggle and manage and then you have a baby crying and you, 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 
you want to go to them because that's your instinct, mm-hmm. but you can't because you're in the middle of doing mm-hmm. something and you they don't understand and you can't. <laughs> I, I get this absolute knot, oh, like God, knot in my stomach. I know. I've never known anxiety that's, like... No. Same. And a friend of mine, an actress friend of mine who's like hugely successful, you know, on major shows all the time, you know, one or two on the call sheet and okay. gets has a team of people around her always for everything. And like, she sends me these hilarious little memes of like mother's guilt. Yeah. And there's nothing like it. Oh, Cause you like can it. never get it right. No. If you know, like if you've got a career or you want a career or you, you, you feel like you're missing out on that and, and then you're taking your time away from your children. And then if you're, if you're not with your children a hundred percent and, it's just, it's never ending. Never so ending, yeah. I think I've been really lucky in that I have kind of given myself a bit of a break in that I'm gone. It's okay that you're not doing that now. Mm. You know, I've kind of said, that's all right. And I've put a bit of a pause on the inner monologue of, you need to be doing more, you need to be this, you need to be that, you know, just to enjoy things a, a bit. But that that new mom stress where everything is a hazard and a worry and a concern you're going I could trip down the stairs and kill us both like all these utterly irrational yeah. things you're like oh god could could we not have been designed with just a little bit more empathy for for the mother yes but the, I know fathers go through that yeah. too yeah 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 it, it, you know it's it's just it's so overwhelming but yeah is worth it. Worth it. So worth it. I mean, you spoke earlier about being in a winter phase of your career. And yes, I suppose you are, without sounding too cliched, but you are in that wonderfully blossoming phase of your life where you're embracing motherhood and just loving it. And then, of course, after winter comes spring. And so the time will come when you can get back into the work stuff if you want to. Yeah. No, I'm excited about a project I'm doing when I go back. Yeah. But they, um, the producer is super mindful and accommodating. Oh, great. You know, in terms of like the, the working it around me and mm. not eat, not being giant days every day. So that's incredible. Yeah, that's And I think great. COVID taught a lot of people about work-life balance, hopefully. Yeah. Um. Yeah. You know, that you can do things in a different way and you don't have to be chained to the desk. Big time. You, there are other ways of doing it. Mm. Um, Before yeah. I let you go, you spoke so beautifully about your mother. She's very wise. And now that you're a mother yourself, like what? <laughs> I mean, I'm sure you'd give your kids lots of advice. And right now, I mean, at three and two, what are they going to take in? But what advice do you think you would impart taking into account all your life experience so far and all of the ups and downs that you've experienced because certainly choosing the kind of work that you do you 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 you, you take a lot of body punches more than a lot of other professions do um so you've probably as you already mentioned as well you've done a lot of kind of work on yourself and it certainly strengthens your own sense of self when you're in a career that uh, can be quite changeable so what would you um what would you say to your kids do you think what would I say to my children? Well, I'm I'm terrified of the hold of social media and where mm. that's going. So I think my advice to them would be similar to my parents' advice to me about knowing who they are and listening to their own instincts 
and not being too swayed by trying to do what other people expect of them, Mm. I think would be something, including me. I might have, that was a wonderful book. I think it was, I read before having Rowan about you have ideas about what you want for your children or who they're going to be, but really you're a conduit for this person who's arriving and they may not like any of the things you're interested in Mm. or share any of your belief systems. They're totally, they're an entity onto themselves. So you have to, you have to stand back and let them self-actualize whatever way that'll be, but you hopefully will nurture and guide them and support them in whatever that's going to be, but Mm. not preconditioning them. And that's something definitely my parents never did with, with Olivia or I, they let, they gave us so much exposure to so many different things to see where we were drawn Mm. and allowed us to do that. So that's something that I hope to impart to them. Yeah. And optimism. Mm. Above all, I think, um, I think entering, you know, going through life with optimism is so important. And so like, I keep harping on about social media, but I'm really unplugged from a lot of that. Yeah. yeah. And a lot of things that, that feed a lot of negativity. I think that really brings your own vibration way down. Yes. And I think you do become ultra aware of it, don't you? when you do have, have smallies that you do want to protect them from it. And, and we didn't have any of this stuff when we were kids. No. Yeah. No. It's like overhearing things being said in the, the toilets at school, only mm. everyone's reading it. Do yeah. you know what I mean? That yeah, kind of yeah, thing. Yeah. And also now, like how teenagers communicate, they're all sitting beside each other on their phones and they're not with each other. Yeah. Like that really terrifies me. Mm. Like proper terrifies me. Yeah. So, yeah, I'd love to know how to I know, guide them I know. through that. Before I let you go, what do you love most about being home? Like, what's the best bit about being back in Dublin? Well, number one is family, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. Being with my family, like, it's just gorgeous seeing the children running around with our parents and my sister and um, her husband and children and our friends but I'm also very aware that we kind of have a perfect scenario because when I meet up with friends I get everybody together and they're like we haven't seen anyone since the last time you were here okay yeah everyone's busy everyone's lives are so non-stop mm. so I you know that kind of emerald glasses that, mm. that you'd have on I'm aware that when we're home it's different than yeah, yeah, when yeah. we're not so that helps me I on the you. goodbyes yeah okay so that's the number one thing um being it, I love being home I love just plugging into the Irishness of home the the air like the the beauty I love feeling like I'm in a country where the you can get pure food I mean you can get amazing organic I go to the farmer's market and all of that absolutely yeah yeah, yeah. but I just I feel like we've got this little island that yeah. is like virgin pure in so many ways in yeah. terms of the access to dairy and food production and everything. And it's really a jewel. Mm. 
and the scenery and all of that is so pure that yeah. I love that. Like normally in the summer we try to get down to the west of Ireland um, and it's just such a tonic. Yeah. So this time it's been like walks in the country when we can get out anywhere. Like I was in, a friend of mine converted a horse box into a little she bean. Oh, cool. There we're down in Blessington Wicklow with him and just the, I love like you're minutes from Dublin but you're in like this absolute paradise of sheep in the fields and everything and like LA is just such a metropolis yeah so that's something I really miss yeah for sure it's a very special country and I do think you need to be away from it to fully appreciate that a massive thanks to Caroline for taking time to speak to me I absolutely loved our chat and if you liked it please share it with your friends or family or you can pop it up on your social media and of course you can support what I do in all the usual ways by clicking follow giving a rating or taking a minute to leave a comment thank you so much you've been listening to Ready To Be Real Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime round out Mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.